the lovely, sophisticated, elderly woman arrived at the church a little bit early, and as Faye would have it, the head usher was there, and he met her, and the place was kind of empty, and she said, I would like a, a seat down front. And he, he, being very genuine and kind of kind, saying, well, oh, we have a lovely pastor, but he's just not the best speaker, so you, you might tend to doze off. Maybe you want to sit back in the corner. And she said, young man, do you know who I am? And he said, no, I don't. I am the pastor's mother. He looked at her and said, ma'am, do you know who I am? And she said, no, thank God, he said. <laughs> Open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17. There you go, a little bit of light. Father, change us by your word. We pray that in this moment where our hearts are open to you and we have been so blessed by your presence that now, you would graft in your word into our lives. Make it come alive and help us to become it. Become like you. Because right now, we're enthralled by you. We love you. And we see you as you are. And we pray that we would become like you in every way. Help us walk out the steps of this in the days coming forward, the hours, the weeks, the rhythm, and the grace of life that you extend to us. We want to be like you. Soft toward you, strong toward sin and the things that come against us, powerful in implementing your kingdom in the earth. In Jesus' name, can you say amen? amen. Well, we're praying and worshiping. There you go. All right. Well, good morning. Well, hopefully I have a few brief words to share with you this morning and kind of talk to you. As a coach, kind of, I think it's important that as we gather together in the body of Christ and the family here, so many great things happen as we enter in. And I think Honestly, we're at a stage, and I've been a Christian over 40 years now. I've seen a few massive moves of God when I was born again in the 70s, just God moving through colleges and campuses and thousands getting saved again in the 80s with the worship movement through the country that exploded across our country. In the 90s, where the whole pouring out of Toronto, also down in Pensacola, we saw great things. But in all of it, there are some really oppor great opportunities that we would take them that God changed the body of Christ. Personally, right now, I believe, and as a leader here, that in the body of Christ across the whole, there's never been an opportunity like this. And I know Cameron mentioned it, but is, if there's an invitation to enter into the kingdom of God and to the, to the knowledge of God in a way that we've not done before, as we do this individually but corporately, I believe the body of Christ will actually become the ecclesia of the, the church proper, the influencing, the life-giving, not controlling, uh, manipulating, but the life-giving force, allowing our cities and neighbors and countries to be who they really meant to be as a, as a group of people, then also us being that ourselves, being the undergird, the underservants of that and bringing men to life. Men meaning men and women, of course. And never before do I feel like, I feel we're on the cusp of God invading us, but us at the same time, mixing our faith and our will with him, making that beautiful recipe of the reality of God living in us and coming in to settle into our lives and changing people's lives. So where you are, the assignment you're in, the family you're in, the place you came from, the work you have, 
all that you fear, all that you reach out and can touch and see is absolutely not by accident, it's absolutely by assignment. God knows where you are and know where you came from, where you are and where you're going. And if you would turn as we do, as we all turn to him, we can make an impact that we can launch the body of Christ and the salvation of men like never before. It could seem like the worst of times, but it's the best time for God to do this. So if you can, wake yourself and shake yourself to this opportunity that sits in front of you, and the worse it gets around you, the better it gets. Like, oh, yeah! Because like now, we, God is, he always looks for that opportunity to show off through his virtue, his truth, his love. How can that be? But he can put that thread of faith and love and hope in you that reaches out to a person and the very cusp of the cliff, they're gonna fall off and you just yank them back. And it'll probably be to the person you least expect. But honestly, I'm not, I don't, I'm not kidding when I believe we have this opportunity. God has been visiting, pouring out in our prayer meetings as a staff where we could you don't even want to talk. It's so precious. His presence is so amazing. And the swell, when we draw together, just you can just feel the movement of God. And we're not in this little bubble. We have real lives and real issues, okay? Don't let anybody tell you that Christianity is a fairy tale. It's the reality that overlays and brings to, to truth, brings truth into the, the funky world we're out there in that is so twisted and messed up. And it's just like a rocket that goes into that, that situation. It just settles things, putting them in order. What's right? What's wrong? What's life? What's death? Come on. We come back here to remind ourselves, God, you're God. God, you love me. God, you'll use me. God, I am being used by you. I will be your agent. I, I, there's no other way for this. That's what we come back for. And as we do it individually and together, something supernatural or sacred happens when we step into this place. You felt it this morning. It's, it's like you get, like, you start to let go of yourself and come into him. And then you become yourself again. Better. Better. I know, I get so excited about this, but I, it's a living truth and designed by God. Whew. Jesus knew what it take to live. He knew what it would take to live life. That's why he came. He finally got to the point. He was so jealous. That's the way I imagine it. He had to come to earth. Like we've got to rescue them from the enemy, destroying them, and they are just too precious. That I'm going to give my life. They're going to see. I'm going to watch. Show them how to live, and they're going to do the same thing and more. And turn to somebody and say, "And more, bud. Come on, tell him. And more. And he's filled us with that ability." to live beautiful, quiet, simple lives, some ostentatiously, and that's a word, I don't know, and some quietly, and I make up words as they go along, so they just go with me, okay? So some demonstratively, some quietly, but he's in our lives. He rolled up his sleeves. I still, still am amazed that God, how can he be God and we fit into the world, yet he fits into my personal life? But absolutely, that's what makes him so precious. He fits into my personal, ordinary life, knows all about me. And he came for that life. How he does it all the same time from beginning, past, present, and future, I don't know. But I know, I know he did for me. We're launching into this, and I just, we're in this beautiful season, and I know, I'm spending a little time in context. I know those guys who watch the clock, so. But we've been talking about the resurrection to the ascension to the launching of the church. I know, I have to. It's my context is my strength, strength there. So bringing you into, we've been speaking this, unless you're, you know, you're like, 
stone cold knocked out or something like that. You've been following this about how the church gets launched in these last few weeks and that Jesus appeared to these guys and strengthened them. Maybe it wasn't about teaching them something new. Like what did he teach in those 40, 50 days? I don't, maybe he just told them to be confident and reflect and be witnesses of what they've seen the last three years, right? Like don't back off, share what you've got. Remember when this happened to you, Peter? Remember when this happened to you, John? Philip, remember this? Remember Nathaniel and I told you about this? That's why I love the chosen because it adds imagination to the story. Well, what if it isn't perfect? What if it isn't perfect? Are you nuts? Of course, who cares? It's using your imagination to thrust into what really God was like. It's just so wonderful. And here they are, and I am fascinated that from the time that they that they, they, uh, they, the ascension happens and the church launch, the, the transformation that has happened in these men is, is nothing less than fascinating and fantastic. But it's not just for them, it's for us. So as we see Peter stand and speak up on the day of Pentecost, he's a changed man. This failure, this coward, this person of, who embodies all the things that we are, God restores them on the beach teaching and showing him that, Peter, you do love me. You're right. I didn't think I did. No, Peter, you do. That's what he's showing him. And Peter, now in new confidence, has probably spent the days praying, remembering every encounter with Jesus when he left his nets and fishing and the grossness of work like that and the hardness of it and the foul mouth and the... the, the slumming around and all that stuff and the work. And he, God draws him out of that to make him a new man. And he's starting to become like, he's starting to feel the urges of God, the, the passion of Christ inside of him. Remembering how Jesus loved people so well. I can do that. I must do that. I will do that. He's praying and praying in the upper room, man. Come on. And he's believing God for the, for the, for the most important time in his life. I wouldn't say it for the first time. He's believed them here and there. But Peter now is thrust into Peter. From, from Simon, now he's Peter. The same thing happened to Paul. The same thing happened to John. Read what they write. Read in 1 Peter 1 how eloquent and succinct his, his speaking is and enveloping how men are and where they're going and that through every trial, there's a, the God comes through. Read in 2 Peter, 1, 2 Peter, first chapter, how all things that pertain to life and godliness, God gives us. How can a man who's unlearned and who's a, who's a, who's a net thrower and a fishmonger, I mean, come on, whatever you call it, and, and he's just become eloquent because he's been transformed. The very essence, the nature of God has settled into his being and it's reformed not only his personhood, his thinking, his communication, his desires, his cares, his thrust of effort and work have come out of him now in a different way. All that, all that, that carnage has been harnessed now. All that desire has been reset and refocused now. And he's a different man. It was, could you imagine guys who 20 years before meet Peter after 20 years after all this has happened? Who the, what are you, the what? He was such an ignorant slob. You know what I mean? If that's what he was. So we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we knew Christ, we knew Jesus as a regular guy, we no longer... We, we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. He's a new creation. 
These men, they took this word. They lived this word. Paul writes to Corinthians, recognizing the transformation in the front new disciples that he's met. And he's communicating this like, like no other, but he's doing such a brilliant job. He's recognized this actually happened in his time. And he saw it in himself, Paul being a murderer, being gripped by manipulation and control. It's now let go. And he's speaking about the transformation that Christ can make in a person's life. You can be changed. You can, you can settle where you are, but you can be changed beautifully, wonderfully, and the whole process can be a, a, an epiphany for you as you change. But we have to mix this opportunity with our faith and trust. Faith, not trying to overlay a religious thought on you, but the trust, the personal relationship with God and the surrender and loyalty to him. And you, you get your life back. This is what it speaks all about in all through, John, all through the scriptures, the cross. So there's some three things that I want to share with you that are so important and we learned kind of over the last few years. And if like a coach, I could coach you not, coach you not just what to do, but how to do it. Because there's coaches throughout the whole Bible, Ephesians 4.11, the apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors, right? They're coaches in a kind of coaching way. No, trust me, it's true, okay? I just look at you, you're squinting at me like, oh, I'm not sure. Now, they are like coaches that coach the body of Christ. That's why we come here. But coaches can happen by relationship that you choose to, to rub elbows with. As iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. We're introducing small groups, a shameless plug for Mike over there. We've had an overwhelming response of 500 people to the small groups. You're gonna have to give us a little time to work this out, right? Because we thought we'd have 100, 150. But man, it's like, Woof. so, you know, Mike's every day going through the pages trying to figure out who to put who to with what. Like, but you still have to wait. Like, oh, they're ever gonna pick something for me. Stop doing that. Pick some of yourself and decide to be transparent. Then if you go a little further and really like each other and about to build trust, then be vulnerable with each other. In other words, what you can say can actually affect each other. Choice relationships, but these are good. All in a sense of coaching. We do coach each other. Amen? How am I doing? <laughs> this is kind of like you are responsible for your own walk with Christ kind of thing. All right, here we go. So as we gather together, it's, it's also really great. So. So three things. One is to begin to receive, okay? We start this whole thing off in John 20, 22, where Jesus says, receive ye the Holy Spirit. The resurrected Christ comes, steps into the room without doors and walls or with doors and walls that are closed, you know. Walls are closed always. Anyway, doors that are closed, windows. <laughs> it's just my inside thinking. I try not to let you in on that too often because it's pretty scary, but anyway. <laughs> So he steps in and says, receive you the, come on, stay with me. This is serious, okay. <laughs> receive you the Holy Spirit. And man, they just receive it, but so it starts to receive. Then he says in Luke 24, verses 49, it's a tarry in, tarry in Jerusalem until you're clothed or until you're filled or that sense of you receive the essence of the, the power of the Holy Spirit. How many know? And also, of course, Acts 2, 4, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke. They spilled out like they were dumped on and they're, you know, this is going crazy. And what's, what's amazing is they don't even know what's going on with them and God's got it all orchestrated. Every nation on the earth is there in Jerusalem. They hears them speak of the wonders of God in their own tongue. Aren't these all Galileans? Aren't they all Alabama? How do you talk Alabama and still sound like you talk like, like you're talking Hebrew? How's that? that? That would be interesting. Seriously. You know what I mean? I mean, use your imagination. He's talking about Galileans are not that, they ain't that smart, you know, but, that's, but they're speaking in French and German and 
Can you think that way? That is so amazing. So anyway, okay. So they're filled and they're gushing out. So the whole principle, the premise is we must be filled first. We must receive. Why do I go back and talk about each move of God? Because each move of God, we would work and go after God, get so filled. But then you still, A-type personalizers are always trying to fix everything, right? Always trying to go to excellence. And we had to learn to receive each new move of God. I remember going into the whole thing of Toronto and it's like, God, I have to, this is so, you had to let go and let receive again. But it wasn't like have to, okay, I have to. No, it was like that. It was like, ah, oh, God, I forgot to sit at your feet. I forgot to receive you. We're always doing it, but this new grace or enabling power allowed us to surrender and refresh our loyalty and our revelation of the essence of God in our lives. We can't do anything unless we're carrying him because he shoots out of us in all different ways, but if we try and grip it and, and control it, it doesn't work the same way. You have to allow him in. And then he just is, his personhood is in you. Second, First Corinthians chapter two, if you just switch over there a little bit. I know I was looking at this in my book the other day and Pat was telling me it's on the board, it's on the board. But I like looking at the book, don't you? See, mine, mine's marked up. This is my good one. So, all right. <laughs> Charles said this last week, verse nine, that no eye has seen nor ears heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. God is such a creator. Just when you think you got him figured out, he just does so much more. Or he does what you want him to do, but he does it in just a much more brilliant, deep, 3D way. But God was revealed to them, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit teaches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Just breathe that in. For what man, sometimes God speaks to us in more than words. It's just a download of a knowing or a peace or an excitement. Gosh, we're so gripped by words, but he's more than that. So, For what man knows the things of God except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Here's the scripture. Now we have received, not the spirit of the word, world, but the spirit of him, of, of the spirit but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So he himself, his essence comes into us. These things we speak not in words which men's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Of course, the natural man can't receive that. The real under part of this is that the word of God is God breathed is actually what it means. That means with it carries the essence and the power of God to do the things he speaks to us. That's why we spend time with him. In, John, in Acts 4, 13, it says, I love this translation. It says that they, you know, Peter and John are speaking and they speak to the Sanhedrin and it says this in, in the Amplified, which I love. Now when they saw the boldness and the unfettered eloquence of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and untrained in the schools common to men with no educational advantages, they marveled, they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Wow, that means these fishermen with raw hands and raw ways, when they stood before the Sanhedrin, they were filled with God in a way that when they articulated and spoke, it cut 
to the heart and to the truth of the law that they had been manipulating the Sanhedrin all the days and cut through that right there. And they were taken back like, wow, you're, you're hitting us. You're affecting us. Aren't you unlearned men? But they had known that they had been with Jesus. They had been with the very nature and essence of God and it was flooding their beings and coming out of them. With the unbeknownst to them, they were just being themselves and answering the questions. Does it mean, what does that mean? We need to receive. We need to get some time with the Lord. We need to turn our hearts to him. The second part is the, the word is, is a represent, it is Jesus is the word, but that God-breathed word is the presence of the persona of God himself. Not just what, but how. Intonation, feeling, flex, inflexes, and you get all of that. Isn't it interesting, John 17, 17, God said, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. And so we are standing there by the truth, and, and that truth comes into us. Every man, of course, men, women, children, needs the truth stood up beside him so he can measure himself by that and know what the truth is. Isn't it? When, when the woman was caught in adultery, which is the weirdest situation in the Bible, one of the weirdest, like what did they wait for outside to get in bed with the guy and then drag her out of the bed half naked and throw him before Jesus? It's like so, it's like you're such a dude, Dummy, anyway, okay, I can't say it. <laughs> you got you a bunch of pigs, anyway, so, you know, manipulating the word. You should be out there helping them instead of accusing them. Of course, the accuser always waits for you to do something, and then grabs you in the middle of it. They say, you should, have, you should do it, you should do it, you should do it. You can't believe you did it. That's what he does all the time. Oh, come on, man. So anyway, so he throws this woman there, and he writes in the sand. Here's the truth. He starts writing in the sand, and all everybody drops their stuff, recognizing that that's the truth. And I can't stand up to that. And she's the only one remaining. But, but any one of them could have stayed right at the feet of Jesus right there and gotten forgiveness. Any one of them could have been said, go and sin no more. But they chose to choose their life and hide back. But she's the one left totally open to the Lord. But God has this way of putting that truth to us, but yet extending an olive branch. Like, but you can do better. You can be this and more. But not one of them, not one of them. They should have just got on their knee and said, you're right, I'm worse than she is. I'll cover her. But not one of them did. But it was there for them. That's what the truth does. It, it shows us who he is. And we can either, no, no, we don't like the light. We'll stay back in the dark. Or we can say, come on, let's get free. Well, you gotta receive that. And when you do, then it comes out of you to somebody else and you're just giving them a glass of water. On, the essence of God, the truth, the word personified comes into our life. Man, I am the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, 6. Do you think he chose these words by accident? No. It's a three-dimensional view of the truth. I'm living and being. I'm the way. I'm the truth, the real truth, and I'm the life. If you walk in these ways, you will have life. You'll have life in the middle of the worst situation. Turn to me and there'll be, a, there'll be a fountain of joy, of hope, of faith, more than enough love in this situation, even if it's the worst situation. Not denying loss, not denying ruined reputations and circumstances. Gosh. But still having life in the middle. That's why he's trying to show us. Number two. Renew and let go. Now, first one I said, receive and know, which is your personal experience. We can't 
go past that. And there's probably stuff behind me, isn't there? No? There's some. Okay, the next one is renew and let go. So I love this. In, in, the, in the part renew and let go, we certainly know that in Acts 2, 43, it says the fear of the Lord came upon them and they are dwelling in the fear of the Lord. I love Acts 9, 31, even better. They walked in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. John, what are you saying? I'm saying that they renewed their life. This, what you saw in the new emerging church, the launch of the church, is that people moved toward, not only did they receive, but they launched themselves toward embracing this life that came into them, and they had a new way of living. They rethought their way of thinking. When, J- when Peter stood up, he, th- he not only thought, but he was different, but I had to think of himself differently. Through that passage of time and praying and being in the upper room, he had accepted the assignment. He accepted the words of, that Jesus had said of his life, and he stepped into who he was. In this whole part, the whole, this part, this way, this, this fear of the Lord, this presence, this holiness, sacredness, sanctifiedness, this consecratedness fell on everybody's lives as they, fell, as they accepted the Lord in their life. And it changed the way they lived. It changed the way they walked. It changed the way they, they, they thought about things. It filled them all. It's like in 2 Corinthians, the Macedonians, they could no longer be slaves. They said to Paul, we must needs give this offering to you. This is a slave state. They were no longer victims. They were changed. They lived differently. They said, we're the answer, not the victim. We're the source, not the the receiving, in a sense of God moving through us can save others. So they gave. They sold. They gave. They had to because they were different. Each one of us, we have that opportunity. It's a pivotal point, is to renew your mind. This won't happen by accident. It happens with intentionality. It happens in a process. Did you give God a little, and he turns, just like Charles said today, Jesus is breaking cycles. Give and it shall be given to you. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. It's like, God, I'll give you my will. I'll give you my loyalty. I'll give you my trust. Then power comes into you. Faith comes into you. It's a personal relationship. And as you renew yourself to him, you renew your, your mind. You choose his ways and not my ways. Then you become more yourself. Stephen, in Acts 6, verses 5 and 8, a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. Verse 8, Stephen, a man full of faith and full of power. Stephen was embodying who God said he was. He found Christ. He fell in love with him. He, of course, I'm filling in the blanks, of course. But in this, he becomes an agent of God like Christ himself. Then he says he did great things among the people. And he was the first. I mean, imagine the faith of this guy because he's the He's the one who able to take the hit for the body of Christ. The, the first one of men, but the second martyr, Jesus being the first. But the second one that he stood up and he gave his whole life to people, embodying being possessed by God and changing people's lives. And they hated him for it. Because men cowered. I, I won't. We don't because we're afraid. We don't because we're trapped. We don't because we, we don't like change. We don't for all those things. Let go. Stephen let go of his old life. Peter let go of his old life. John let go of his old life to step in. Can you imagine how they felt when they stepped into who they really were for the first time? All the training, all the good from all the disciplines, from all the things that had been through life, now coming to fruition as they had in faith now, trusting God, cooperating with them, now moving in. Peter fishing, stepping up. The biggest first Spiritual fisherman ever stepped on, stepped, stood up and spoke, and then he, the big catch was 3,000 people. 
Oh, come on, you gotta use your magic. Can you imagine when he spoke? It's like debate, like God loves you, not holding your trespasses against you. All the things he said, and they're just hearts are just hearkening. He just, and he just puts in the net and spiritually just pulls out 3,000 people. Oh, he's like, I was made for this. I was made for this. Like, God, I just love, I love my life before, but I love my life now. It's like, man. How many times did it echo in his mind, you will be fishers of men. Oh, baby, it's on. I bet he said after the first day of Pentecost. It's on. Then 5,000, then multitudes is what it says. Thanks, Vinny, for telling me that. He just did that whole scenario a few weeks ago. It's like multitudes, 3,000, 5,000. And he's fishing like he's never fished before. I said this in the other, thing, the other service. Dina Van Halt, when she was sent to China, went through all the things she did. It came down to this one part where she finally gets the most disabled, probably going to die child. They have wrapped in clothes. She hands. I remember her saying this at Randy Clark's uh, VOA. And she remembers she held this child with one hand and just unwrapped it. And she's just wrecked. Like, she is so in love with this child, and it's such a wreck, such a castaway. And she said, I never knew the life I didn't know I was supposed to be made for, and it was right now. I wish I could say it like she did. But she's like, she knew she was made for this. God leads you into who you really are. When you take and let him possess your life, you become, as John 1, 6 says in the message, your true self. But it takes letting go. It takes like, oh, I'm really comfortable here. I don't, uh, this could mess everything up. Yep, probably will. (laughs) But you get your life. You like get, you get your life like you get your life. Like, wow, stuff that really counts. Man, get your life back. It's like, oh, God, I hate doing this, but I love doing this. Oh, man, just so amazing. It doesn't have to be amazing. You don't have to go to China and save kids. Oh, that's amazing. You just need to show up at your workplace with your faith and your love. You get to get people in your life. You get to. You get to have them in. You get to share what you got. You get to see them get changed. Most contagious person in the whole world is a brand new Christian. Man. You get to see that. Number three, we are so going to be done here. All right. Sorry, I could go on and on. Out of Romans 12, you could go into, <laughs> it's a sacrifice. We, we, we renewed our mind. That's just, you guys know these scriptures. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. Just amazing, but I have to go on. The third one is response. The second one is renew and let go. It's your personal possession. The last one is respond and act. It's your personal purpose. When we act, I mean, you can do all this, but if you don't step out, you're holding back. Many of you, you know that you could have prayed for that person and stretched your hand and got them healed. Or you could have spoken to them the truth to them in a time when it seemed like very inconvenient, but said, look, let me just tell you this. You, your hands, your feet, your eyes, your heart, they are to be used by God, and we have to step out everywhere. In Acts uh, 3, verses 6 and 7, silver and gold have I none, but what's that what I have, I give to you. They give what they have it's a moment of faith and a moment of practicing, a moment of doing what God did. It goes on in, in Acts chapter 9, verses 32 and 35. Anus, uh, Anus which is his name, is they, they tell him, pick up his bed and walk, just like they did with the man that uh, Jesus did when the man loaded through the roof. They, uh, there's another situation with Dorcas, who's Tabitha, her other name. 
They go to the house, she's dead, and she's done so many great things, kind of like a Karen Thompson, just loves people like crazy, and he clears the room of mourners. Haven't we seen this before? He's practicing his, their faith, just like Jesus. Ray, Tabitha rise, raises her up. They're moving it. They're actually, which is full of axes, acts, the action of God in those situations. Don't be afraid. Well, what if I blow? What if I make a mistake? What if you do? So what? We practice medicine. We practice all things, which I love doctors. No fuss on that. But we're practicing. Well, if that doesn't work, try this. Stand on your foot and pray for them. I don't care what. Do it. <laughs> what if they get healed? Woo! Come on, man. Seriously. I remember when this class a long time ago, power hearing from John Wimber and Marilyn Ryan. Touched, I, had a little, uh, I had a little wart on my knee. Sorry. I had a little wart on my knee. Anyway, so... <laughs> And she put her hand on my, my knee, and she paid for it. And it, it was gone, gone. It was like gone, not, never came back. It was amazing. It was like, I know it sounds so stupid. Like, <laughs> but if it does that, maybe we can pray for broken arms. I don't know. But let's try. Let's use our gifts. I mean, that's, that's so small. But the use of our gifts, when you use your gift, when you practice, when we, when we, we will find, you'll find your purpose in the body of Christ. You find your place. You find your purpose when we act out and speak. Do you have to be a great evangelist? No. You can give a glass of water. You can serve. You can do whatever. But you find, you find the peace and the affirmation of God when we act. How important is this, right? It's so powerful. But we have to act. What if we really did this? What if, what if, we, what if we received from him? What if we renewed our minds and thought differently? Not after the flesh, but everybody's a new creation. What if we acted and even made mistakes? For every failure, we'd have, for every win, so we'd have some failures, but we'd have some wins, right? Look, God's gonna do this anyway. We get to be a part of it. Stand up. Feel like I worked you out. You're like, <laughs> I'm just going to pray about a few of these, all three of these things. I'm going to ask you to respond, not come down front. We're just going to pray where you are. If you've had a hard time receiving or haven't been receiving, I just want to pray for you. But I need you to respond. You don't have to look around the room. This is, as I ask this, I'm going to say, who needs? a grace to receive. Put your hands up. Come on. Get them up. Come on. God, I just ask, I ask in this season that every voice would quiet down, every distraction, everything that would exalt itself. I pray, Father, for each individual raise their hand that you would find them and they would be found by you. Of course, we're here, we know you. But there's nothing like spending time with you, being caught by you. I pray for early mornings. I pray for evening times. I pray for noonday. I pray for time in the car. I pray for stealing away and finding you, stealing away and being found by you. I pray there be no separation. Nothing can separate us from your love. As much as I'm speaking to you, as you want to know God, I want you to know something. He knows you. 
He knows all about you. Like the word skipped by the worship song said to the core, he knows you and he loves you. Make no mistake about it. He knows your life. He knows you. And he knows how to get to you. And he loves you just the way you are right now. I pray for a grace to receive, a grace to settle down, for souls to quit churning. I pray, Father, that you would pour in with more than words, but certainly with words. I pray for you. That you would find the time, find him. For those who need to renew, come on, put your hands up. I just need to renew some stuff in my life. Come on, get them up. Get them up. Father, I pray you come crashing into these lives with the power to change, the power to shift. God, I pray for the renewal of minds, renewing of minds. I pray for the renewing of hearts fresh into their lives, God. I pray. God, you would have your way, that your truths, your ways of walking, the way, the truth, and the life would be planted in and grafted into these lives. Holy Spirit, the word revealed, wrestling and overcoming every obstacle in in personality, every obstacle in survival that has helped make these people survive, but is wrong. We break the power of the enemy. We break the power of old ways, we cast down the old man and put on the new. God, pour out your newness of life. Pour it out in each one, a new way of living. I'm speaking to you, do not negate slight turns and little turns. Don't negate them, don't despise them. Little things, make that slight turn. Give him a little, he'll, he'll, he'll move in powerfully. And I pray for the will to do your will. To will and do your good pleasure. Your very words, Father. Lastly, to to act. Come on, those who would want to act. I mean, to, to, to speak, to lay hands and pray, to love, to care, to be least in a new dimension of this. Father, I pray for the power of boldness. It says in this everywhere in Acts, boldness. Not a, not a boldness that has to have its own way, but a boldness that is steeped in compassion and deep love for those around that, that must bring life, that must rescue, that must help, that must care, that must care. I pray that every person will be released in this part of their life. God, that we would be your hands and feet. I pray that these people would raise their hands, that we would do this, that we wouldn't shy back, we wouldn't hold back, but in a beautiful, powerful, honest way, just like Peter, just stand up on the inside and do this. God, what a harvest. We will not be deterred. We will not be deterred.